Welcome back to the 48 Men Podcast. This is Christian, and I'm so uh, excited just to welcome our guest, Cole LeBrant, on the podcast today. Cole is a, he's becoming a good friend. He's become a good Instagram DM friend, and I actually had the pleasure to meet Cole a few years ago out at church in California. So welcome Cole LeBrant to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I never, I never know how to like, uh, like introduce myself. You know, it's always just like the, yeah, cool. I'm happy to be here, even though we're not really with each other. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, 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 it's the virtual welcome to the podcast. Yeah, exactly. I'm happy to be here in my, by myself, but with you virtually. <laughs> I love it. With your, with, with your gaming headset. With my gaming headset. Yeah. I'm not sure if people will be seeing a visual of this, but, uh, yeah, it, it works great. It's a great gaming headset. I love it. Well, Cole is a husband and a father to three and one on the way. And he's a man of faith, but he's also a guy who is around our age and he loves to train physically. So um, I'm just excited to have a conversation with him today about, you know, training physically and also training spiritually and just the importance of really having both in our lives. So, Cole, I'm excited for our conversation today. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Like you mentioned, we've been uh, DM buddies and it's kind of been like a brief conversation here or there, but we've never really sat down and, and chatted. So this is kind of our first real like sit down talk and obviously two things that we're really passionate about. So it should be fun. Super pumped. So with that, I know that, like you said, we, we've become DM buddies and most of our DMs to each other have been, if one of us posts something about working out, we'll just have a little, have a little comment to one another. So I always see you posting about, you know, fitness and working out. So what's been your, what's kind of been your journey with, with, with fitness? Yeah. Um, so I'm 25 now, uh, and I grew up just really skinny. Um, just very skinny. I didn't even like eating food like much at all growing up. So, uh, I was always just like kind of tall, really skinny and didn't really like it. Cause tried playing football and just got the crap beat out of me. And I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta put on some weight. So the second that my dad let me start working out, cause my dad's always been into fitness. I just started going with him at like 15, 16. And fortunately, like I took it really serious because I was so fed up of just being really small. And I know that, you know, I feel like that's a lot of guys high school journeys. Like I just want to get, get big, you know, like it, it doesn't come on usually until later in life. Whenever like you want to start like shredding the weight, um, like earlier on, if like you want to start bulking. So that was my journey was I just wanted to get big. Um, and I probably went, like, I remember the summer that I started working out, like I was going into 10th or 11th grade. I think I was going into 10th grade and I put on like 20, 30 pounds in one summer just cause I was just eating like literally a whole pizza every day and like not, not healthy stuff. Like I, I can't do this now because I, it, I realized how bad it is for me, but then I didn't care. It was just put on the weight and, uh, yeah. and it kind of like sparked like this, just excitement of like, man, like. I just want to be the best me and, uh, you know, however, however that looks. And so started back then and I've had some highs and lows where, as you know, you have like seasons of really good fitness and it's like, man, I'm like one of the most healthy I've ever been. And then you have seasons that are like, man, shoot, I haven't, I haven't slept good. I haven't been eating good. I've been in the gym like once a week and you just, you, you know, you want to get back to those good moments. So it's trying to always make it like a lifestyle. And I think that's, what you know and what a lot of these people will be talking about is like, how do we make this like a lifestyle instead of just like these like really highs and lows, these like extreme highs and lows and like make it more consistent. Yeah, for sure. Cause I think like 
Because even, you know, you, you being a father, me being a father, like consistency is definitely one of those things that it's super tough to kind of, you know, maintain because, you know, you travel, I travel, you know, life is not really the way it was, I guess, when we were in high school, when you, you know, when you were in town every day and you could go to the gym and you could eat a pizza, you know, every, every single day to bulk. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned playing football. So did you play any other sports growing up or did you only play football or what was that? What was that like? Yeah. My main sport was soccer. I played a lot of soccer. Um, I, and I played mainly baseball. So it was always baseball and soccer because in Alabama we had a spring baseball, which would go into summer ball and then fall and winter soccer. So like they never went at the same time. Cause I never did like a travel ball. It was always like a recreational kind of thing. Um, so I was able to do both, but then once high school hit and you had to have to choose one, I chose, I chose soccer, but I did try football in the fall. Like I mentioned one year and like, I, it's funny cause I love backyard football. I love throwing football. I love watching football, but whenever I actually came down to playing it and maybe it was my lack of size, I cannot tell you how much I hated playing football. Like I played one year, I busted my chin open cause like I was probably like 104 pounds in ninth grade. So I had like a 150-pound kid tackle me, hurt my chin so bad. I was like, I hate this. I hate it. <laughs> what, what, I probably should have waited a year. What position yeah. did you play? Were you like a tackling dummy or what? what? I was like I, – I, I was at a small private school that literally had like 20, 30 kids per grade. So like – and I was on the JV team, 7th seventh, seventh to ninth grade. And so as a ninth grader, I just had to play like a little bit of everything, a little bit of defense, some tight end, some receiver – even though I was not by any means uh, qualified. I, yeah. Dude, I'm just picturing you at 104 pounds playing tight end is just yeah. awesome to imagine. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare, but I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a respect for yeah. football, just like the amount of training that goes in. And you growing up in the South, you know, having those those pads on in the summer and just, I was just like, dripping in sweat in the summer with those pads on at 104 pounds thinking like I would rather be any other place on earth than on this hot field. <laughs> so, I, mean, I was the same. Like I, I grew up playing basketball, football, baseball, soccer, and I grew up playing football. And then um, the last year I played was eighth grade. And I was kind of the same. I was, I was, I was not too, not super tall, but I was super skinny. And the summer went by and my dad had always wanted me to go play football because, like I said, I'd played growing up. And I went out to our, our middle school my eighth grade year and I missed all the summer practice because I was playing baseball. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go play football. And I thought I was going to like walk, like just walk on the field and, you know, go start and just be a, like a super, super stud on my team. And I hated it. Like, I didn't play. <laughs> Literally, like, I was so embarrassed. I, I, I mean, I, I played receiver. And I never really got in, got, got to go in the games. I was like, I was the kid who like always wore like the super like cool stuff. I like, I had the cool gloves, I had the cool cleats, like I had the cool, whatever Nike Under Armour, you know, new gear we had, the chin strap, whatever. And I never played. The arm sleeves. The arm sleeves. Like I remember like during the, like we would do the, the, um, you know, like the breast cancer awareness month. Everyone wears like the pink. I don't know if y'all did that, but we did everyone be decked out yeah. in pink and I went to like Hibbit sports and got like, you know, pink arm sleeves, pink, like knee pat, like this. And I didn't play. Yeah. I was just, I was, I don't <laughs> want to say I was terrible, but I was saying backyard football was like my growing up. That was like my favorite thing to do. And that at the time just did not translate to me 
playing on the football field. Backyard football is a terrible uh, idea of what real football is like. Backyard football is fun. I don't know. I don't know if people have fun playing real football. Maybe they do. I think the but, people. I think the people that are good have fun. I'm, with it. I'm sure. I'm sure Tim Tebow had fun. Yeah, I think. I'm, I'm sure, no, he had a blast. I can tell you that. But Tim Tebow was also 120 pounds heavier than you were when you were a freshman, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our side by side pictures are not going to be uh, comparable. We need to. We, we need to find a side by side picture of you and a fre- you as a freshman and Tim Tebow as a freshman. I will. I will find that because because like I'm I'm decent sized now like. I'm, I weigh in like 180, 185, and like I'm happy where I'm at. But like people are always so surprised at how skinny I was. Like we would always like take a picture of me like – like my parents would always make me do this like for like my friends and family whenever they would come over. As, as a ninth grader, I was so I, – I, I had shot up so I was so tall, but I was so skinny and lanky that they would make me like suck in my stomach to show off like my rib cage and stuff. And you could see like my organs. Like you could literally probably see my intestines and – just an idea. I'm, I'm sure Tim Tebow couldn't do that. Just an idea. Yeah, Tim, I don't think Tim can suck in the stomach at all. But you talk about you talk about playing soccer, playing baseball, and then, like you said, growing up, you did, you did some of football. But not only did you play sports, you were also a Vine sensation um, around that age in your life. But um, oh yeah, like growing up, did you like want to you know grow up to be in good shape? Like you said, because you really enjoyed that or or is there also a part that you know when you were a vine sensation that you wanted to look good because you were dancing with with, without your shirt on yeah honestly it was a little bit of both like one of my biggest reasons for working out was i remember uh going to the school that i that i went to and i i i I was like a valedictorian like sixth seventh eighth grade and i took a lot of pride in like it didn't mean much because I went to a school where there was like, like, like I said, 20 to 30 kids per class, but I was always like one of the top one or two uh, students grade wise, like in all the subjects. And, and I would like, get made fun of for that kind of thing. And I thought, man, if only I was like bigger and making these grades, then like they wouldn't make fun of me. So that was a big motivation. But then obviously once Vine started, it was like, oh yeah, okay. Now, uh, now I got something real to look forward to besides just the lame, the lame school stuff. <laughs> I got I got this yeah. this social media appearance. <laughs> so you were a Vine sensation, yeah. no, it, a football uh, quasi uh, player, soccer superstar, and a valedictorian. That is, yeah, that's a lineup that I I've never been addressed as, but I think it's I think it's pretty accurate. That's quite the resume, though. That is a resume, yeah. Especially since I I didn't finish college, that will be my resume um, when I get off social media one day. That 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 can always be something that that you fall back on. But so being a father of two girls and a boy and another child on the way that we don't know the gender of yet. And you're a husband. So how how is like, you know, that that idea, like that change in your life, like how has that impacted, you know, kind of the workout routine that that you've been doing lately and kind of the capacity, the capacity that you have to to train? Yeah. Whenever I was in college, I took working out really seriously just because. Um, I, I wasn't like the party type. So most nights were pretty free. So I would go out and go to the gym late at night. And I was able to, cause, um, you're in college and like, if you get your work done, then it's just like, whatever. So I, I would work out at the gym probably every night from like, I mean, I wouldn't get into like 10, like, like nine or 10 and I'd stay till like midnight sometimes, 
you know, I, I, cause I wouldn't really pace myself. I would just kind of do my set, play my phone, chill. Like I did gyms, like my night scene where it's totally changed in that sense since getting married and having kids to where obviously I'm not going to the gym really late. Like by eight o'clock I'm tired. Like by literally by eight o'clock, my wife and I were just joking about it. Like I am, I'm ready for bed and I'm, I'm sure you're feeling that with your, with your kid and just, um, you know, we, we, we try to push it to like nine, 10. So then we can have some us time while the kids go to sleep at eight. But, uh, working out, it's just, it's definitely become, I feel like you just have to want it. Um, and you have to like make it happen. Cause there's always going to be an excuse. Like every single day I could come up with an excuse why I can't work out. And some days those excuses are legitimate enough to where, okay, I'm either going to, you know, spend an hour and a half getting this really important work done, spend this hour and a half uh, with my kids or spend this hour and a half working out. And it's like, you got to choose one. And usually oftentimes working out, you know, I think it's just good to have those priorities to where like it is important, but obviously, you know, we got work things that got to get done family. That's obviously most important. And then God at the very top. And, uh, you know, it's all about, those priorities and making sure that fitness is a priority, you know, above just laziness and, and other things that you can make, make little excuses. But yeah, family adds a difficult level to trying to squeeze in fitness. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's cool that you said that because that's really, you know, that's really the whole point of, of this podcast, you know, because I don't like, Yes, in a sense, it's a fitness podcast, but I never want it to be a fitness faith podcast. It's always going to be a faith and fitness podcast because, you know, the verse that we go off is is 1 Timothy 4.8. That's where Paul says that, you know, physical training is of some value, but godliness is of value in every way. And that's even like you said, like, yes, you make it a priority, but you never place it above God and above your family. And I think that's so cool because, you know, a lot of times we can sometimes place fitness above that. And if we do that, clearly we're making an idol out of that. And, you know, that's just not healthy for, you know, for our lives. If we're placing more emphasis on, on working out and, 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 you know, going to train physically versus, you know, addressing our family and making sure we're all healthy spiritually. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love it. I love it. It's so accurate and it's what's needed. So this podcast will kill it. Yeah. Well, um, as I told you earlier, kind of pre-podcast, but something that um, you know, I want to make it a habit of asking each guest on the podcast is to give me and the listeners a physical challenge to go out and do this week. So with that, um, Cole, what physical challenge do you give us to go out and try to accomplish this week? Yeah. What I uh, try to do, because like between me and you, like I had a bad month of November. I was really busy. Um, I did not prioritize working out. Uh, I was traveling a ton, not eating good, not sleeping good. And I dropped, I probably went from like 185 and now I'm like, like 178, 179, like in a month, which isn't good for me. Like I don't want to drop. Um, and so whenever I got back in like a week or two ago, what I always do whenever I get back in to working out is I start with my least favorite uh, body part or my least favorite workout or, you know, as guys, oftentimes we, we love doing curls or, you know, there's certain things that we love doing and it's like, oh, that's easy to do. But I've noticed that it's so much easier for me to get back into the gym if I start really hard with my least favorite workout. And then the rest of the week seems easier because it's like, oh, I already did my least favorite workout. Now I'm working towards my favorite workouts. So that's just kind of the build up for my my challenge would be this week or any week moving forward. Um, 
do more of your least favorite workout. If you work out once a week, maybe do two times this week of your least favorite workout. Like for me, that's legs. I, I've always had chicken legs. I don't like doing legs, but I always start really hard with legs because it makes it more exciting moving forward. So I want to encourage all the listeners to do more of your least favorite workout this week. Love that because we all, we all definitely have a body part that we do not like training more than others. Like you said, curls are definitely more fun to do than, than legs. If you don't, if you don't enjoy doing legs and I guess maybe if you're not good at them. So we always Mm -hmm. typically tend to, you know, tend to go more towards, um, tend to go more towards what, what exercise we like. So I'll have to be thinking about that because for a while, probably seven months now, I've been doing like a full body workout just because like you said, we travel so much. So I've been doing like when I go in the gym four or five days a week, I'll hit every body part. So I've kind of got to the point where I kind of like doing every body part. So I'll have to really think about, about which one that I kind of am lacking at. So I'll have to, I'll have to think about that. That's, that's a, that's Man. a good, that's a good challenge. Full body workout. How long does that workout take you? Only really like an hour. Um, sometimes hour 15, but so wow. I'll, so each day it'll have more of like an emphasis. So like Monday it's typically like heavy legs, but then I'll also do chest, back, bias, tries, calves, abs. And then Tuesday will be more like chest focused, but I'll still do legs, back, bias, tries, calves, abs. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really only takes like an hour, hour 15. And that's just because like you said, we travel so much. So if I'm only in town two days, then I really don't feel like I'm missing a day because I'm still kind of hitting, you know, every body part. So that's kind of what I've been doing lately. I don't know how much longer I'll do that. Yeah, I might, awesome. I might, you know, switch it up a little bit, but I'll be thinking about that for my, for my challenge. But earlier, um, like I said, I love how you talked about your priorities and, and making sure that fitness is a priority, but you know, always making sure that God and your family are above that, which is why I'm having you on the podcast, because I think you're someone that a lot of people look up to, you know, in that, because like I said, you are a man of faith. And at the same time, while you do like training physically, you know, you can clearly see that God's far, far more important um, in your life, which is, which is awesome. So, you know, as a man of faith, you know, how do you, because you've talked about, you know, how you train, how do you actually prepare you know, and train for your life? Like, where did that, where did that start for you wanting to, wanting to, um, you know, be spiritual and, and, and really become a believer? Yeah. I got saved probably. Um, I, I, I was very fortunate to have like a knowledge of God from my parents and family at an early age. Um, I don't think I fell in love with God and realized how necessary God was for my life until probably 16, 17. Um, and I'll say it was around that time that I really started pursuing God hardcore. And I, I, the biggest thing for me was probably just having a great community. I feel like I've always been so fortunate. And I don't know if it's just God's favor over my life or, um, you know, maybe some of the decisions that I made not putting myself in certain bad friend groups or a combination of both. But that's been one of the biggest things is I've been so fortunate with a great community from an early age to where it's, it's I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's a lot easier to stay away from the temptations of sin and just the struggles of, of life and fall into this rabbit hole of just depression and anxiety and just all the terrible emotions that the enemy wants you to feel. And I feel it's just taking over our country and our generation and young men as a whole when you don't have that community around you. If you're going through life all by yourself, I was just talking to a young guy recently and he's struggling. He's not happy. He 
if I'm being honest, doesn't want to be alive. Just he's just not in a good place at all. Um, and he's just all by himself. And I think that as guys, we just think, you know, we got to do this. Like, I'm just going to do it by myself. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to bring anybody down and I don't want to tell anybody about the struggle that I have going on or whatnot. But I mean, God said it from the very beginning that it's not good for man to be alone. And yeah, maybe in that sense, he was referring to Eve, um, and a more holy matrimony of marriage. But I think God was just talking about in general, it's just not good for man to be alone, even just outside of marriage, just community as a whole is so important. So, um, that has been a big push in my faith is the friends that I had growing up and I had a great community in college. And then once I moved out here to California with Savannah, I was just very fortunate to find a great community of guys who love God just as much, if not more than I do. And we can um, pursue God together because if I was going through this alone, I, it it wouldn't be near as fun. And I don't know where I'd be just because we, as men, we think we're strong, but we aren't near strong and uh, cunning as the enemy's tricks are. He's been deceiving mankind since the beginning of kind, and he knows exactly how to get us. So we just got to put that armor on, which a big piece of it is community. Yeah, for sure. I heard, I heard one time a few years ago when I was in college that, you know, that idea that, you know, free time's the devil's playground. And like you said, just the more that you, you know, don't live in community, the more that you kind of isolate yourself, the more that you know, you really are more susceptible to, to those thoughts and to, you know, to, um, to really giving in to the enemy's tactics because that's really what he wants to do. He wants to isolate you and he wants to get you alone. And I mean, I know that for me, like when I'm not living in a community, when I'm not, you know, surrounding myself with good guys that I can, you know, I'm far more prone to, you know, to thoughts that, that aren't, you know, that, 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 that don't align with, the fruits of the spirit that, or that don't align with who I am in Christ. And I think that's so important because I think, like you said, a lot of times as guys, we want to like, you know, muscle up and do it on our own, you know, that pull you up by your bootstraps kind of mentality, but we weren't meant to do life alone. We were meant to do it together and we were meant to, um, you know, live a life in a community where we, you know, confess things with one another, where we, you know, live a life of repentance and where we hold each other accountable. And I think, when you when you have that, you really see your life flourish, and you really see what God, you know, intended for us to really, you know, lean on one another and and, and live life with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. I love that. But I see you. So I I, I love how bold you are on social media. Um, have you always been that bold? Like where does where would you say your boldness for your faith, you know, comes from? Because I, I always see how bold you are with with some of the things you post, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always had like a strong conviction of like certain things growing up and, uh, I think it was tough. It took me a lot of time and and I'm still growing in this and how I can like discern between like being the overly righteous quote, you know, air quotes, fake righteous, uh, judgmental Christian where like you're trying to say things for, you know, out of an unjust reason. And I feel like that, that's where it stemmed was because, of my upbringing and uh, like the Southern Baptist church style that I grew up in and uh, just, just a lot of things. I think just the enemy kind of blinding me with stuff. I, I was the judgmental Christian um, in my middle school years and early high school years. And um, I had this like come to Jesus moment where I was like, man, like 
I'm just turning people away from Jesus. Like I'm just, you know, being like the hypocrites and the Pharisees that are in scripture. And like, do I even like love Jesus? Am I even pursuing Jesus? Are my public sins any less evil than some of these public sins that, you know, I'm talking out about? So I think once I discerned, like, man, I just got to love God, but I still have this conviction to, um, you know, be bold. Like whenever you read the, because for a while I, was, like, I had this like conviction of like, man, I got to stop um, being so bold because it's being so judgmental and hypocritical. So then I did have the season where I felt like my faith didn't necessarily die down, but like I had to like lay low and just like not say much because I didn't want to offend people or hurt people. But then I kind of got around that bend and um, then was reconvicted like, hey, still have that fire, still be bold, but in a loving, not judgmental, not condemning way, which, um, you know, it's always the battle of like, can we be bold in our faith? Just like the, the disciples were. I mean, you read the gospels and the things that Paul says, the things that um, any of the disciples say, the things that John the Baptist says, like people can look at that and hear that and be like, wow, that's, hey, don't say that. That's, uh, that's offensive or that's too much or that's, um, you know, maybe you should word that a different way. And while, yeah, may, you know, we should be wise and discerning on how we say things and maybe to who our crowd is, just the, the truth is the truth. And uh, I don't think that we need to like overthink too, too much nowadays, especially with our really sensitive culture on just like, let the truth, you know, get the truth out there and let the, and let the Holy Spirit move, let the truth do its job. And scripture is very clear on that. You'll be hated by all the world for my name's sake. So like, we aren't going to appease everybody. And I mean, you hear the saying, like, if you stand for anything, you'll, you know, what what is it? If you stand for anything, you'll, you'll fall to anything. And, uh, the only way to not get any hate at all is just to stay completely silent. So it's like, what are you going to stand for? And just, just stick with that, which is for me is my faith and scripture and what I believe the truth is. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, something that me and Sid have been talking about a lot lately is just that idea that, you know, in John fourteen six, that's where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And, you know, like you said, in a culture where, you know, the truth is, you know, fluidity and, and, and we kind of make our own truth, but, you know, that's not biblical. And something that I thought of when you were talking about, you know, being bold for your faith and just the truth, there's a verse in the New Testament where Paul says, um, have I now become your enemy? Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? And that verse just like, it strikes so deep because like you said, in, in a culture where, you know, it feels like sensitivity is just such a prevalent thing that, you know, you can still, you know, tell others the truth, like you said, in, in a loving way and, and in a compassionate way and in a, you know, honest way. And, you know, if, 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 if they don't take that, then, you know, all you can do is that you presented it in love and you presented it in truth and you presented it in a compassionate way. But just that idea that like, you know, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Like, I don't know, that verse just has been on my heart a lot lately, especially in our culture, because, you know, just because we have different viewpoints on something does not mean I'm your enemy. Um, so I love, mm-hmm. I love, I love how you talked about that with just with the idea of, yeah. you know, being bold with the truth. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, Jesus even said himself, don't be dismayed when the world hates you because they hated me first. And it's like, and it's funny because this is something that I, I talk about a lot with my guy friends and that I, I'm on a personal journey of myself. So obviously living in the 
social media world, I've said things that like now I'm like, I probably have a different opinion on that or a different mindset. I'm sure in 10, 15 more years I will, but like at 25 years old, like it's hard for me to look at like right now I'm looking to leaders in the faith, especially in this day and age who are getting um, hate, who are getting persecuted. Cause like there are certain leaders in the faith and I'm like, if they're walking such a fine line to where like they are making everybody happy, like that concerns me. And I think that there's a lot of pastors, especially famous pastors nowadays, quote unquote famous pastors. That's like, and, and I get that you don't want to like mislead and you want to be cautious and you want to, um, you know, not lead anybody astray, but it's like, Jesus, what you just said about Paul and what Jesus said himself, it's like the world itself is going to, is not going to like some of the things, not maybe not all the things, but a lot of the things that you're saying, because it just, it just goes against the narrative or, or culture. And so I don't know. I mean, that's why, that's why Jesus was crucified because people, you know, found his claims to be so offensive. I mean, this, the Pharisees, yeah. you know, couldn't stand him and the people, you know, like they despised him because, you know, like you said, they, they wanted him to come in and be, you know, this king who was going to, you know, overthrow Rome and with political power, you know, and from like a military standpoint, but he came to, you know, he didn't come to, um, to call the righteous, but he came to call the sinners to repentance. And, you know, he came for the 99 and he, or he came for the one, he leaves the 99 to go after the one, you know? And, um, I mean, that's literally why he was crucified because, he said things that, you know, people didn't like and that's what, you know, got him killed. So I agree that like, if, if, if everything we're saying pleases everybody, then, you know, clearly we're doing something wrong. Like Jesus was talking people out of following him. Yeah. And I think if you look at our culture today, you know, we are like hyper extending these things and not really calling people to actually go and change your life. Like, with the woman at the well, he said, go and mm-hmm. sin no more. Like there, there has to be this moment, this, this change in your life where, you know, you clearly see the acts of the sinful nature and the fruits of the spirit. And there's some, there's something different about, you know, us pre Jesus and post Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But like you said, like, so, you know, being, I guess I can use the word famous, you know, becoming well-known at a young age and kind of being in the, in the spotlight, how have you kind of stayed rooted in your faith, kind of going from, you know, growing up in Alabama to now, you know, having a, a wife and a family and, and being someone who's super well-known on social media, you know, living in California, kind of how, how have you stayed rooted in your faith? Yeah, like I mentioned before, community has been a, a big piece. I've been so fortunate and blessed um, to have always gotten plugged into a community pretty quickly. Um, we knew that's just important for our marriage, important for raising kids. Just the second that you, that you talk with someone and you're like, oh, my kids are driving me crazy. How come my kid does this? Or even in a marriage, oh, I can't believe my spouse did this. Or with yourself, I can't believe I did that. And then you go and like confess it in a community and you hear these other marriages saying, oh, don't worry. My spouse does that all the time where you talk to a married couple who's been married 30 years and like, oh, it's okay. That's normal. And just hearing like, it's normal that... And not, not necessarily that it's okay or that it's healthy, but that like you're not alone. Um, like you mentioned, the enemy wants to isolate you, isolate you in your pain and your failure. So um, community, you know, within social media, outside social media, within fame, out, outside fame, uh, 
I feel like the things that are healthy are always healthy, whether you're famous or whether you're, you know, nobody knows who you are or, and the, and the things that are unhealthy are always unhealthy. So, um, we just try to stick with the simple truth of, of the gospel and who Jesus is. And I mean, unfortunately with social media and putting our lives out there and, um, you know, we are human and we make more than enough mistakes and we will continue to. And unfortunately a lot of those mistakes are, uh, filmed or, or live on forever or people, you know, will never forget. I, I thank God that I didn't have social media before I was a certain age. Um, like kids nowadays, like, you know, have phones at eight, 10, 12, 14 years old. And like, I, I just hope that, you know, parents are cautious with their kids on what, what goes out there. Because if, if I posted everything that I thought that I said that I did, that would live forever. Like it is, it's scary. It's a scary generation. So, um, it just takes a sermon and not that we should, uh, cause I know that you can take that to the extreme just like, well, don't, you know, we shouldn't post anything or ever share anything because it's always going to live out there, but it's like, well, let's, you know, not hide from something that can be so good. And that can be such a, you know, huge impact. Um, as we know, social media and fame or whatever it is, God can leverage, um, as he's done in your guys' lives and as he, as he does in so many people's lives. And, uh, you just try and grow from your mistakes the best you can. Yeah, dude, that's so good. Um, so I'm really, you know, not super, I guess, quite sure really what the demographic is so far on this podcast, you know, whether it's you know, younger guys, older guys, you know, guys our age or, you know, husbands, fathers, but as a new father, I know that, you know, you have a little more experience than I do now. So, um, something that me and Sadie have tried to do with honey is just, you know, every night before she goes to bed, pray over her, you know, ask the Lord to, you know, give her, you know, good, sweet dreams and, you know, read her little bedtime stories. And when we're in the car, you know, constantly listening to worship music and just praying as a family and all those different things. So, you know, you being a father of almost four now, what are some spiritual practices that you feel like you've kind of implemented um, into your family to kind of raise them up, you know, in a biblical house that you feel like have helped you and your family? Yeah. I want my kids to see a real and tangible God. I don't want it to be um, a God. And, and I think all these little things that we do, like you mentioned, we do, we, we do very similar things where, you know, we have an eight-year-old, a two-year, uh, an almost three-year-old, a one-year-old, and obviously a baby in the womb. So, um, we're like the little kids, whenever they're young, we do the same thing about, even with that, really still praying with them before bed and, you know, praying they have good dreams and singing them songs and reading little Bible books and, you know, worship music. But like, I, I, I want to make it a mission, especially as my eight year old's almost nine and my kids get older. Like they see that this isn't like a, um, like a little kid, God, like the same Holy spirit that we have, you have access to, you know, there's not like a, a, a kid version of the Holy spirit. That's like less than, or, um, whatever, it's the same Holy spirit. And that like, this is very serious. This is very real. And that like, I need him just as much as you need him. So I, I just want my kids to see me needing God. Our, our pastor said something one time and not, not that this should feel judgmental or condemning in any ways, but like, if your kids are going to catch you doing something on accident, would they catch you on your knees praying to God? Or would they catch you opening your word and scripture? Or would they catch you in those moments? Because I feel like as fathers, a lot of the times our kids 
and we live in a generation where kids are catching their parents doing just unholy things. And they're, and again, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Our kids are going to catch us in those moments, but I hope that my kids genuinely do and that they only catch me because I truly love God, that they catch me in moments to where I am just outside talking with God and things that maybe just kind of feel out of place or awkward or out of the norm, but I, they can sense and see that I truly believe in my heart. And same with Savannah, my wife, that we genuinely love God with all our hearts. You know, wake up in the morning, throughout the day, go to bed, that this isn't like a Sunday church kind of thing, that this isn't like a once on Christmas and Easter, but like without God, like there's, there's nothing else. And I just want my, kin- my kids to sense that. And you can't tell them it, you know, like we, we went through a season where like we were telling our, our eight-year-old, probably when she was like six or seven, because of growing up in social media, we do a lot of brand deals. And she was very fortunate just to get like a lot of toys all the time from companies, just sending her toys. And we would always, we would get in a habit of just like, like, hey, you know how fortunate you are? Like, you're so blessed that you just got this toy. Like, this is a very expensive toy that most kids only get on their birthday or on Christmas. And you just got this because, you know, we get to make a video with it. And, and we're telling her how fortunate she should be instead of necessarily showing her. So we're trying to do less telling and more showing because you can only tell somebody so much, but like it just kind of goes in one year and out the other um, with a lot of things. But like if you show them, I feel like that's what really sticks. That's awesome. Well, that, that's so true. And, and I know that you kind of hinted, hinted at it earlier, but just the idea that, you know, being a believer, it's all about your lifestyle. And, 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 and like you just said that, you know, having your kids see, you know, see that so evident in your lives and just to encourage you, like, that's something that is super prevalent and that's super evident, you know, even through social media, that it's not just a, you know, Sunday checklist and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle and it's consuming because once Jesus truly, you know, has all of you, then people see that, you know, that's the scripture that, you know, shine, you know, where, where the light of the world, so, you know, shine, shine bright, or it doesn't say shine bright in the scripture, but just shine, shine as a light, you know, so that people will see, you know, your good deeds and praise, praise your father in heaven. Um, but just that idea that, cause I think so many people our age, you know, we grew up with, um, you know, our really spiritual or biblical background was, you know, going to church and checking that off the list. You know, it really wasn't this, you know, Jesus is actually the the Lord of our lives and everything we do, we're going to, you're going to see him shine through that. You know, it's not just this, you know, Christmas and Easter and, and, and going to church on Sundays, um, this really non-committal kind of thing. That's, that's, that's really cool that you said that, that, you know, you want your kids to grow up and see you on your knees praying talking to God because that's really what it's about and that's how it becomes real because you know it's you become like you said you become more judgmental and you become those things where you make it about a checklist and not about actually having those things pour out of your lives yeah yeah there's a saying that says like uh if Jesus isn't Lord of all then he's not Lord at all and in fact that's been really convicting in my walk where it's like you know Jesus has to be Lord over everything. Because um, if he's not, is he really a Lord over anything? Um, if you're prioritizing something over him or you have this one secret sin that you're pulling aside from him or whatever that looks like. So that's been a quote that's been sticking with me uh, in my walk as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm about, to, I'm about to ask you the second big question of the podcast to give us a spiritual challenge. But before I get in, before I ask you that, what... Um, 
you know, as you said, you've been traveling a lot recently and, um, you know, just finding out that, that Savannah's pregnant. What are, what are, what's like a spiritual routine that you feel like you've kind of been in lately with just adapting to some of the things that you've been changing in life? Yeah. It's funny because I always, um, did like morning and nighttime. I feel like that was like my, my, my time with God. Like, and, and I, and I still firmly believe like it's, you want to start your day with God, you know, start your day with the foundation and then everything else naturally falls into place. So I always try to start my day just talking with God, um, opening up a little bit of scripture. Uh, but I feel like nighttime, I'm getting so tired, like I mentioned before, where my nighttime routine started getting uh, really lackadaisical and I would just, I, I would fall asleep, whether I was reading scripture or um, praying. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because I think, God probably loves it, us falling asleep, talking with them, or, uh, you know, just like your kid maybe falls asleep in your arms or something like that. So I try not to beat myself up too much about that, but I'm like, man, I, I'll open up my Bible and I'll get cozy in bed or like wherever I'm praying with Savannah in my bed or like whatever it is. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just getting really tired, like closing my eyes, praying or whatever it is. So uh, I, I, the new schedule, not schedule, but thing that I've just been trying to do is just talk with God throughout the day. Um, you know, big things, small things, but really focus on like having my real time in the morning whenever I'm like fresh, awake, like, you know, whenever I'm at my best. And I feel like that's like early morning-ish, whenever I'm most awake, most alert. A lot of the time I was giving myself over to God, like whenever I wasn't at my best and, uh, which is nighttime and I just felt sleepy. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it really is like, you know, having, I mean, raising a child especially I have one you have three I mean it's definitely no easy task and at the end of the day you really are like I remember pre-honey we were staying up till 12 and 1 we were just super night owls and then after having her it's like nine o'clock rolls around and uh, especially now with the time change it gets dark at like five here and I'm like at eight o'clock man I'm just wiped out um, so I agree. I mean, I've, I've been really making it a routine for me just in the mornings. And even when I go to the gym, you know, that's a version of my quiet time. I really try to, you know, while I'm in the gym, that's, that's a prayer time. That's a listen to a sermon time. That's a worship time. Um, just because those times really are few and far between when you, when your house is, you know, filled with a child. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So here's the second question, and I know that you have given us the physical challenge of, you know, going out one day this week, one day soon, and or not even just one day, but just at some point in the week, you know, picking a body part that you feel like you're not as strong at or that you kind of, you know, tend to kind of stray away from doing. So what would you, what's a spiritual challenge that, that you would give us to go out and try to do this week? Yeah, it's funny because I, I thought about this before a conversation even happened obviously but um i feel like a lot of our conversation has talked about this um but for me a big thing obviously i've been talking about is community and confiding in uh a brother in christ or however that looks scripture says um confess your sins to jesus confess your sins to god so that you'll be forgiven so whenever we confess our sins like god ah can't believe i did this or god can you help me with this instantly you're forgiven just like that but then scripture goes on to say confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed and obviously god can heal us we know that he can do all things but i think that god made it this way that we'll confess our sins to one another that we'll have that community where we talk with each other and that's where real healing comes from you know you talk you can talk to people who get in these um addictive behaviors or whatever that looks like um and it's 
like you talked about, a lot of times they're even strong Christians. They're isolated to where I believe that they're probably asking for repentance and forgiveness, but are they confessing in another brother in Christ um, and really receiving that true healing and that true accountability? So that would be my encouragement is if you don't have somebody, find somebody because there is somebody there. You know, God, God put people around you. Get yourself out there. Find somebody that you can really confess with, that you can really talk with, get community with. And if you do have somebody, then I encourage you to, uh, to continue doing that or do it more often or find something that, that you need to be more open about and get out there. And um, that's something that I've been really, really working on the past several months with some good guy friends of mine. And it, it is life-changing. It's incredible. That's awesome, man. And that's so true. I know that, you know, that verse is common throughout scripture. You know, James talks about that. First John 1, 9 says, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. So that's, that's a common theme throughout scripture. And, and I love how throughout the podcast, you've talked about, you know, being in a community, being held accountable. Um, so just to encourage y'all listening, you know, get plugged in your church, get, you know, plugged in with a good, with a good group of friends and really live a life of, you know, because, as, as that is this challenge this week, you know, that's, that's also not just a one-time thing, you know, so as that becomes the challenge for the week, but make that a lifestyle, make that become, you know, every time that you feel like you need to confess something, you know, make that a habit to really, to really do that. Cause that's, that's what we're called to do. And, and as you said, you know, um, man, you really find so much freedom when you, when you live a life in community and you can feel like you can trust people enough to you know, to share those things when you walk through that. So get plugged in a church, get plugged in a good community. And that's our challenge for the week. Go, go find a brother in Christ and confess something that you want to get off your chest. So, man, that's awesome. I got, I, I got my wheel spinning on, 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 on guy friends I can go talk to. So um, I hope that y'all do the same. So Cole, man, thank you so much for being on the podcast, dude. You are such an awesome guy. You are such a light. You're such a good husband, good father, and just a good example for, people to look up to in the world. And as you keep doing all your things on social media, um, we're just thankful that we have someone to, to look up to. So thank you. Yeah. Well, likewise, I appreciate you having me on here. I'm very excited for this podcast. And, uh, I saw that you actually just posted on Instagram that you filmed a few before this one. So I'm really excited to see who you had on and listen to all of them and just be filled, uh, fitness and faith, or as you said, it's not a, fitness and faith, but a faith in fitness. Faith so and fitness, baby. <laughs> I got to catch myself there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much again, dude. Yeah. You got it. Thanks for having me.